The following program does not offer personal medical advice. Please consult your doctor before using any treatment or product we cover. Welcome to Go to Health Radio with your host, Jonathan Marks. We provide a welcoming environment where experts educate you on important health topics, answer your questions, and provide information from which you can benefit in consultation with your doctor. And now, here is Jonathan Marks. Hello, everybody. Hope you're having a good day. And before we start, I want to give you listeners a shout out. I'm following our numbers and I'm seeing our numbers go up every show, more people listening, more people downloading. And I want to give a big shout out and thank you to you. Uh, I encourage you, if you're interested, you can go to gotohealthmedia.com slash get updates and you can opt into our email list and also tell me the kinds of programming you'd like to see or hear and we'll be happy to do that for you. So today we have with us Trina Wiggins, MD. Now May is Arthritis Awareness Month, so we are keeping you aware with this show. Does arthritis have you limited in your mobility or movement or do you suffer from arthritic pain that keeps you motionless or worse, totally out of shape? Dr. Trina Wiggins is gonna help us today. She's a board certified pediatrician who resides in Las Vegas. In addition to being a pediatrician, this is wonderful, she competes in fitness and dance competitions. She has competed in over 50 shows over the past 18 years with many top place finishes. In 2018, she competed in the Nevada State Senior Olympics and received a gold medal, not silver or bronze, but gold. She was named the AAU Northern American, North American Bodybuilding and Fitness Champ for 2019, Athlete of the Year. And this year, she published her first book entitled Kiss, Keep It Simple and Short, Keep It Short and Simple for a Healthy, Sustainable Lifestyle. Trina herself has arthritis and she's a physician, so she knows how to deal with this. So Trina, welcome to the show. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing fabulous. Thank you for having me. Good. So let's start off real simple. Sure. I've got three questions for you. First, what, what is arthritis? And that's number one. We'll get to that in a sec. Your way of dealing with it and getting around it. And then any other diet or supplements or other recommendations you have for dealing with this. So that's what we'll cover. So the, let's start simply, Trina, what is arthritis? How do people get it? Yeah. So osteoarthritis um, is the most common type of arthritis. There's many types. You have rheumatoid, but today I'm going to focus on osteoarthritis. Um, It's a degenerative disease that damages the cartilage between the joints. And, you know, cartilage is that rubbery material that covers the end of bones and provides us with a cushion between Mm -hmm. them. Um, It is a result of wear and tear over the years. And the primary joints impacted are the hands, the hips, and the knees. And the typical presentation is asymmetrical, which means it affects one or more joints on one side of the body, as opposed to, say, rheumatoid, which is, you know, symmetrical with both sides. Ah, I didn't know that. Okay. And and, and do we just kind of get it? Is there something we can do to prevent it? Or or is this really just kind of a a function of age? Well, you know, there's there's their risk factors. Um, Age is definitely one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, One's weight plays a role. Um, the more weight that you carry, um, it impacts your weight-bearing joints. Um, for example, for every one pound of weight, um, it's, I guess it's equivalent to about, if you lose one pound, that's equivalent to losing four pounds of pressure off your knees and six mm-hmm. pounds off your hips. So weight is an issue. 
like I said, age is an issue and any pre-existing injury. And for me, that's where this really all started because I was a, you know, a gymnast back in the late 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, and back in 80, I sustained a career ending knee injury to my mm-hmm. right knee. 15 years later, I re-injured the same knee. And both of those injuries were basically a setup for my current um, knee osteoarthritis. Got it. So how do you deal with arthritic pain? What do you do? So, yeah, so it's, it's, um, it's a combination of things. As we know, um, there's really no cure per se. So um, my goal is to manage and minimize the symptoms with various therapies. Um, first of all, I want to make sure that I'm engaged in physical activity, stretching mm-hmm. and strengthening exercises most days of the week. Um, and I always want to start with the least invasive method to deal with the pain and stiffness. Now, for example, for the pain, I start with ice to my knees two to three times a day for about 10 to 15 minutes each time, or I'll stick my entire leg in the cold swimming pool for the same amount of time. Now for the stiffness, I will take a steam shower or a hot jacuzzi bath with Epsom salt, or I'll use what's called a bed buddy. Um, It's like a, it looks like a heating pad, but I stick it in the microwave and apply that to my knee. And the importance of that, I like using moist heat because dry heat doesn't have the same impact. Um, the next so, step, I, um, go ahead. I'm see before that. So moist heat is important, getting the moisture into your, your joint there. Yes, yes. Um, dry heat does absolutely nothing. It's the moisture that makes the difference. Like when I said I do a steam shower, when I'm in the steam, I oftentimes do a lot of stretches. And when I'm stretching and doing the steam, that just enhances it, gives me a deeper stretch and really loosens up my joints as well. So stretching is actually okay. You're not going to injure yourself, even though it may hurt. No. And, and the thing is, it's not about when you stretch, it's about taking your body to just a little bit of being um, uncomfortable or a little bit of discomfort, but not pain. Ah, got it. Okay. That's, that's good. Great. And then, um, uh, well, I'm sure people, if you take anything by mouth to deal with your pain, that should be something you discuss with your doctor. But what are possibilities that people should think about or shouldn't they think about that? Well, before I get to that, I want to mention one other step that I use. I use a TENS unit, also known as a transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulator. Ah. It's non-invasive and it's drug free. OK, so basically this TENS unit sends pulses Um, via electrodes through the skin along the nerve fibers. And these pulses diminish the pain signal to the brain. So I really like that because like I said, it's, it's, um, there's no drugs involved with that. Now, if that doesn't work, I go to my topical creams and ointments like Arnica, which is a homeopathic agent, BioFreeze, Salam Pos, Voltaren. I found that it's best to rotate these creams because your body may stop responding if you use them over and over, back to back. Very good. So, so let, let's. I want to repeat that information. What was that piece of equipment called that does the pulsating? It's called it's called a tens unit, T E N S unit, okay. and it's also known as a transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulator. Got it. Okay, a tens unit. Okay, people, write that down. That's important. And then these creams. What are the different possibilities? If you don't mind repeating. Yes, arnica is a homeopathic um, cream or ointment. Um, there's BioFreeze, there's Salon Pass, and there's Voltaren. Voltaren just was recently um, made um, over the counter. In Europe, mm-hmm. it's been, you know, over the counter for years. 
but it's right. basically a topical non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. Got it. And, and, and everything you've mentioned so far, I'm impressed. I, I've asked twice now, I said, what medicines do you take? But you're not mentioning medicines yet. So you're no. really trying to stay away from that. Right, right. So my, like I said, my goal is to start with the least invasive, non-drug um, method first. And then if things are not getting better, then I progress um, to um, medicines by mouth. Now, if the topical cream ointments fail, then I may increase my intake of turmeric and ginger or begin. It's an over-the-counter product called Instaflex. Now, Instaflex is a supplement that helps to manage osteoarthritis. And turmeric is one of its main ingredients. It also has resveratrol, black pepper extract, collagen, hyaluronic acid, and Boswellia um, serrata. Mm-hmm. And I have personally benefited from using Instaflex. And I believe the reason why it's helpful because of the unique combination of all the ingredients that come together um, to enhance um, you know, its effectiveness. Right. Got it. Okay. And um, let's see. So, so if somebody's, <clears throat> let's say, really out of shape, they've been out of shape for a while, they've really fallen prey to the arthritis and they're really you know, not able to move at all and they're really out of shape, what, what, do you, what kind of regimen do you recommend? Absolutely. So, you know, it's, it's really important to maintain your physical activity. Very important. Some people are concerned, I know, that physical activity will make their arthritis work. That is not true. That's a myth. Okay. You need to um, engage in joint friendly physical activity because that can improve your pain and your quality of life. And it's an actually it's a prescription for osteoarthritis. And you want to choose low impact activities Mm -hmm. that are easy on the joints and, you know, have a low risk of injury. For me personally, I enjoy brisk walking, um, dancing, swimming. And I love to row because rowing puts my knee through a, a complete range of motion. Right. And um, I, I do the elliptical machine. Once again, that keeps your knees in alignment. And I do chair aerobics and biking. Now, do you do this all at home? You have all this equipment at home or do you go to the gym? Okay. I used to go to the gym pre-COVID, but um, <laughs> I walk in my neighborhood. I dance at home. I have a pool, so I swim. I do have an, a rowing machine, an elliptical machine that I've had for many years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, it's important to strengthen, strengthen the muscle around the joint, okay? Um, utilizing resistant bands are effective at building strength and decreasing your risk for injury. Because oftentimes, the muscle around the, um, the joint that um, that's, has arthritis is weak. Mm-hmm. And it's important to build it up. And I think um, resistant bands are a wonderful way to build that um, strength. And I use Fit Simplify resistant bands they can be found on amazon that's fit simplify great good so again if i'm really out of shape and i've just been sitting in the chair watching tv and i don't want to move at all what should i start with because i don't have a rowing machine i don't have any home equipment where where do i start chair aerobics everybody have a chair okay (laughs) there's 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 there if you google chair aerobics they have or on youtube there's tons of um people who do chair aerobics and it's phenomenal. And what you can do is, or if you don't want to do that, put on your favorite music, get in a chair and um, you can do um, like, uh, how should I put it? Tricep dips on the chair. You can sit there and march in place. Um, You can do jump jacks. It's just like jumping jacks, but you're sitting in a chair and incorporate, you know, strength building exercise. You can get off the chair, 
do push-ups or do wall push-ups if you can't do regular push-ups. So there's a lot of different ways that you can exercise in a chair. And then uh, another piece of the equation that we alluded to earlier was stretching, which is absolutely necessary to help mitigate and prevent pain. And I recommend, I use the stretch out strap every day. I just used it before coming on the show. It comes with illustrations and instructions on how to do each stretch properly. And every muscle group is addressed. And it's called the stretch. I'm sorry, what's it called again? Stretch out strap. Stretch out strap. And that's a brand name people can look at. Right. Oh, cool. Okay, great. Good. So you mentioned before um, pre-existing conditions that are risk factors that can cause arthritis. What should we know about that? Yeah. So like I said, I had the two um, ACL injuries, yes. one in 80 and one in um, um, it's about 15 years later in, in the um, early 90s. Mm-hmm. And um, besides um, injury, anything that's overuse, so, and, and you can see overuse injuries in a lot of sports. So for baseball with throwing, you hear pitchers having to have Tommy John surgery on their, on their elbow there, or you have, you know, um, basketball players with knee issues or tennis players with tennis elbow. So anything that puts the joint um, in a repetitive motion that keeps repeating the same movement, you're at risk. And um, is there a way to minimize the risk again by, you know, by stretching or warmups before you start having the arthritic injury? Yes. And I I honestly believe that a rejuvenation program needs to be instituted earlier than later Hmm. because most people get it and then they then they're trying to 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 fix it on the back end when we should be proactive, meaning that if you're involved in sport, or even if you're not involved with sport, you're just exercising. It's, it's important um, to listen to your body. If you feel a little ache, go ahead and ice. I mean, if you feel a bit of stiffness, go ahead and do the, the heat methods that we talked about with the steam or the jacuzzi with Epsom salt. So try to do things and be proactive versus reactive on the other side. Got it. And other than repetitive motion injury, are there other factors like I'm, I'm guessing diabetes, heart disease, whatever. I mean, do they have anything to do with arthritis or is there really no connection? Really are. It's mainly a, a, as I say, degenerative disorder with wear and tear over the years. Got it. But the thing is, if you uh, address the osteoarthritis with physical activity, um, with the stretching and strengthening, you're going to be just helping your health overall with those other chronic diseases. Got it. Good. Now, I want, we have a couple of minutes left, so I want you to tell us about your book. Kiss. Yes, ab- absolutely. My book is called Kiss, Keep It Short and Simple for a Healthy, Sustainable Lifestyle. And basically, I give um, people um, tips about how to incorporate physical activity into your daily life and not leave it on, you know, to the end of the, your day on your to-do list. You want to put short segments um, um, interactive throughout the day. So weave it throughout your day, 10 minutes, three times a day, 15 minutes, um, twice a day, because we know the American council recommends 150 minutes, of physical activity per week. And that's the easiest way to do it. I talk about the seven minute workout app or doing, um, the chair aerobics or dancing and in integrating body weight exercise. I also talk about nutrition, the importance of eating an anti-inflammatory diet, like the Mediterranean diet. I talk about the turmeric, the ginger, um, the resveratrol, and, um, and, the, and, and really I, I'll talk about our beets. Beets are so great mm. in so many ways. So I talk about different nutritional things 
and also mental strategies with mindful meditation and how to manifest the things you want in life and to keep focused on the task at hand. And you're sure living this lifestyle, aren't you? I'm doing my best to do that. <laughs> and it takes work, right? I mean, you're, you're the expert, but I, it takes work and it's struggle and challenge, right? Yes, it is. And the key thing um, to all of this is being consistently consistent and to not overwhelm yourself with so much to do in, in a day, but being consistently consistent with little chunks or little nuggets or little habits every day. Good. Uh, yeah, and it's uh, probably good to set alarms for yourself, right? So you get up. They're 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 now calling. I understand. Are now calling sitting the new smoking. It, that's absolutely true. Sitting, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, you know what they've been um, looking at is that when you sit for a long time, um, your our bodies were made to move. Period. And um, they've even looked at people who exercise. Right? For say you exercise for fifty minutes, mm-hmm. and then but you sit all the rest of the day. That person is actually worse off than the person who may have exercised half that amount of time, but has been in a constant state of motion all day long. Wow. So it's important that, that we get up and move because that's our bodies were designed to move. Great. So I want to thank Trina Wiggins for being with us. You can reach her at TrinaWiggins.com. It's T-R-I-N-A Wiggins, W-I-G-G-I-N-S, TrinaWiggins.com pediatrician. She's written this great book called Kiss, Keep It Short and Simple, which is a great way to bring wellness and fitness into your life. Thanks so much for being with us today, Trina. It's been great to have you again. And if you want to watch Trina and her other presentation, you can do that in replay on either Voice America or by visiting gotohealthmedia.com. Trina, thanks so much. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Go to Health Radio. To reach Jonathan Marks or his guest expert on the live program, call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jonathan Marks at gotohealthmedia.com. Now, back to this week's show. All right, welcome back, and we're here again with our focus on arthritis for the month of May, and this part of the um, show is going to be two sections, two segments, and we're going to be talking about stem cell therapy and regenerative medicine. This is new technology with new potentials. Now, what's the most significant innovation in medicine happening right now? It's regenerative medicine, and it's been progressing in clinical trials and will continue to help many more patients. Popular use to date is in pain management, arthritis, and joint healing, and this can often replace the need for surgery, and clinical trials are now ongoing for autoimmune diseases such as multiple sclerosis and lupus. Sorry about that. So with us now is Anthony Hartley, MBA. He's the co-founder at medadvisor.co, medadvisor.co. He has healthcare experience in product development and has worked on many clinical trials. He and his co-founders have created a platform to educate, connect, and bring new therapies to patients. Anthony's team consults with both individuals, employers, doctor's offices, specializing in stem cell therapy and the burgeoning field of regenerative medicine. He's available at medadvisor.co, and um, he's also available by email at anthony at medadvisor.co. So, Anthony, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you for having me. Good. So tell us, what is regenerative medicine? Explain this for us, because I don't know too much about it. Okay. Well, actually, this is a field that's been developing for many, many years. And years ago, people would refer to it as stem cell therapy. And now you'll see more and more there's mention in the research of regenerative medicine. And in some respects, that's because it's embracing a whole host of different types of treatment options, different types of research that are happening. So maybe I should start by removing some of the, or clarifying some of the misconceptions. So when we're talking about stem cell therapy these days, the focus has been for the last, last 10 years in particular, it's on the adult stem cells. So for instance, you and I, Jonathan, we are, we're, not, we're not as young as we used to be, but we've always had stem cells, and all of us have stem cells. In fact, from the very beginning of life, we have stem cells that we're born with, and that helps us to create cells throughout our life, and also helps us to regenerate. And that's part of the reason when you see a young person that might have an injury, he, he or she can heal much faster than, than maybe someone older a lot of times. Got it. So what we've seen in the research, especially in these last 10 years, is more and more how clinicians and researchers are developing treatments and procedures using our own stem cells. So we're not talking about fetal stem cells anymore. That used to be the, the, where this started, isn't it? And, and there was a lot of controversy about that. 
Fortunately, most clinicians, most experts in the field, they don't use that. Not only is it, has it been controversial, they discover that it's not effective. In fact, I mean, this is where we're finding some amazing things about nature that we didn't know only 10 years ago or 20 years ago. So far, when there's been clinical studies showing safety and efficacy of different types of stem cell therapy, more and more we're seeing where it's the adult stem cells that have been used from the patient. And in some cases from the own patient, what they call autologous, and there are some examples in the research of allergenic, so that's from a donor. So what we see is there isn't the controversy, there isn't that obstacle, and it's actually more effective the way things are going now. Thanks for that update. I appreciate knowing it because I'm still living with the old news that everything was fetal stem cells. So tell me, because I really don't know, what is a stem cell? Well, basically, we're born with a lot of different cells, right? And one way that we could explain a stem cell, it's an undifferentiated cell. So at some point, that stem cell develops into a cell for your heart, a liver cell, other things. And so it's part of the natural process of life. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, and, and how does injecting stem cells like into your knee or your shoulder or whatever, does that become like a knee stem cell? I mean, does it adapt to the environment it's in? Is that how it works? Well, let me take you to another term. So one of the stem cells that's been so often seen in both in the clinical setting and earlier than that in the research setting is what's referred to as the mesenchymal stem cell. So some people, that, some, the experts would say that this is a particular stem cell that's there in the body it's natural, and it's something we have that helps us to heal, uh, helps us to repair and replace cells when we have an injury. Mm. So I give the example that let's say maybe, you know, I, I'm walking outside and, and I might, might hurt my knee or something. At some point, the mesenchymal stem cells in my body, they go to the place of healing. So if I haven't used too many stem cells, then hopefully it means that healing happens very effectively and very quickly. And as we age, we have we have fewer of those and it makes things a bit more challenging. Got it. So how do, so what's the stem cell process? Let's say if I've got a painful knee and I want to avoid surgery, what's the process I go through uh, if, if the doctor is recommending stem cell therapy? What happens? Well, yeah, first of all, the first thing you need to do is to consult with your doctor because it isn't, it, we can't say that this area of, of treatments can always be the same for everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure your doctor would tell you that he or she would go into the details about why this is an option. Hopefully they can, they can show you the data from a clinical trial or how it's worked with other patients. Right. And so one of the things that we have seen is that for many, really in the last five years, last 10 years, one of the types of treatment that clinicians have used a lot is PRP. Now PRP we can say is a type of cellular therapy and it's minimally invasive compared to other types of treatment. So it's a way that the clinicians can give that type of treatment to the, the patient using his or her own cells. And PRP stands for platelet-rich? Platelet-rich plasma. So how do, they, how do they get platelet-rich, how do they get PRP out of you or what, how do they get that? <laughs> yeah, so I'll try to give you a simple description. Um, again, it, it's, it's one of these things that myself, I'm here because the, the doctors we work with, they're, they're busy with the patients. But platelet-rich plasma, basically, the clinicians would take the stem cells from the patient, then there's a type of preparation they do, and then it's re-injected back into the patient. Now, this is something that 
it wasn't used 20 years ago, but in the last 10 years, we see that more and more clinicians are using it for certain conditions. Got it. And how, how does a PRP uh, differ from stem cells, or is it really the same thing? Well, you could say it, it all falls under the, within the field or the umbrella of regenerative medicine. In some ways, PRP, it, it's one of these areas where there's, more, uh, there, there's much more understanding. Uh, it's something that most of the clinicians, they're quite comfortable with PRP. Uh, there's already a clear understanding with the FDA. Uh, at some point, I can't not mention the FDA because this is very important, of course, this is whole area of medicine. Yes. So there are procedures and there are also treatments that have been going in line with the FDA's expectations and regulatory procedures. Mm-hmm. And so PRP has continued to have been more and more adopted by clinicians among, among many reasons for that. Got it. Now, do you need to be a specialist when you say adopted by clinicians? Is this, is this your general practitioner or is this a pain management specialist? Who, do, who does this? Yeah, so this is something where what we have seen is that there are doctors. I'll give you an example of one that I'm thinking of. He, he's an orthopedic surgeon. And what has often happened is that the doctors are introduced to these techniques, these procedures, or these treatments that fall within stem cell therapy by other doctors. Mm. So it's, it's really this peer-to-peer kind of education where this is happening. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean that a GP would not one day want to be able to do this kind of treatment or already be learning how to do it. What we have seen and, and others will attest is it's usually this peer-to-peer education and training that happens from doctor to doctor. Got it. And um, what, what else is regenerative medicine being used for? I, you, you, we, we talked before the show, it's being done, it, tested in clinical trials. What other diseases are being, uh, uh, you know, researched? Yeah, so this is, this is an important point. I mean, there are so many trials that are ongoing now, mm-hmm. and there are different stages. So uh, for those people that, that didn't have much exposure to clinical trials before the pandemic, uh, you'll remember that there's phase one to test the safety, and eventually things can progress to phase two and phase three. And so by the time something, a treatment passes through phase three, it should mean that that treatment is safe and efficacious for a very specific type of condition. Right. And, and so right now, I can tell you there's dozens of trials where different types of stem cell treatments are being tested on patients that might have autoimmune diseases, types of arthritis, and also types of orthopedic conditions. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully what we're going to see relatively soon is more of these treatments, they will complete a phase three t- trial and get approval or authorization from the FDA. What's also been happening, uh, and this is, I'm thinking of a conversation we had recently with a doctor. There are some regenerative medicine products or treatments mm-hmm. that have completed a different type of regulatory pathway. And so what's happened with some of these products is the FDA has been involved so that they can be part of the oversight. And so some physicians now can use regenerative medicine products that we would say are allergenic. So there's stem cells from a donor. There's a lot of process, a lot of um, preparation that happens in between before it's something that's available for the patient. But what's important as as the FDA is involved in that kind of, in that type of evaluation, more of these products should become the type that are uh, consistent, they should be safe, validated, and also reproducible. 
So what I think a lot of clinicians are hoping is going to happen is that more of these regenerative medicine products get to that point where they're also arriving to a type of level of, of what uh, laboratories do if they're producing a vaccine, for example. Got and it. all of this is, the, the, this can't, you can't avoid the fact that the FDA has to be involved for the evaluation, but then also the guidance. Uh, and this is where things are, are going to change actually sometime this year. Now we've heard about the blood supply getting tainted. Um, if I'm going to get uh, stem cells or PRP from another patient, or another person, do I have to be concerned about any diseases that person might have, or does the process of creating the stem cell, you know, get rid of that risk? I would, I would think that's a question for, for the, the, the patient's doctor, but at the same time, when it comes to the allergenic, this is again where uh, it's important to really look carefully to see how, what procedures are putting in place. Among the best companies that we know of in this space for regenerative medicine, they have a procedure where they are getting the cells from the donor. They make sure that their product is, whether it's registered with the FDA or the FDA has been directly involved in how it's, how it's tested, how it's evaluated. And so ideally, there shouldn't be that risk of infection. And in fact, some of these companies, when they are producing at what they call CGMP level, it means that they're really at the same level as these companies who've been producing the vaccine. So it really is the highest standard, the highest quality, so that the safety and efficacy should be really top notch. Good, and if you don't mind a quick review once more, you mentioned it, but we've learned a lot with COVID about clinical trials for medicines, especially with the, the new vaccines. What are the stages again? Can you repeat them? There are four major sure. stages for clinical trials. Can you describe each one so people yeah. get a better understanding and get it in their heads when they hear this? Sure. So phase one is where the, the, the biotech, the pharmaceutical, whoever is the research team is testing to see that a particular research a treatment, an innovation that they want to test, it's being tested on patients to see that it's safe uh, beyond that, then it can move, hopefully, into phase two, where it's being tested to see if the patient, if it's safe, and it has some efficacy in patients with a specific condition. And then beyond that, with phase three, then you have a larger group of, of patients that can be involved. And one of the things that's so important about patient three is that not only is it a larger population of patients who are receiving this treatment in research to see if it can be work, they have different characteristics, so it can be different populations. So this gets to be really important. That's why we, we see now when the vaccines have progressed that it really can help lots of different people because it's been tested on people with different types of characteristics. Got it. So in other words, the stage one and stage two are usually small sample sizes. And then when you get to stage three, we're getting to larger population trials. Correct. Right. And, it's, and it's, a very, it's a very rigorous process, the whole thing. A, a lot of these let's say uh, treatments that have been researched, these, these treatments that are experimental, mm -hmm. a lot of them, they don't get past phase two. Some of them don't get past phase one. And that's, that's the way the process should work. I mean, that's why the FDA exists. Uh, a lot of, I would say all the clinicians and doctors, they definitely don't want to give something to their patients that's not safe. So when they see that things have progressed beyond phase three, they'll still have questions. And so, this clinical trial process is what makes sure that there's safer treatments that are available for people and not something that has risks. 
Great. And stage four, is there a stage four or did I mistake that? Yeah, some, some, sometimes there's mention of stage four and that can be something related to pre-approval or post-approval. It, it depends upon both the type of research, the treatments being researched and also how it might be, how, how they use in patients. Great. Good. So we're coming up to a break. Um, uh, Anthony Hartley's coming back with us. And then in the second segment, we're going to talk about the consultative practice that Anthony has, because as you've just heard, there's a lot of information to take here and where do I go and what kind of treatments do I get? And Anthony's company basically gives advice on that to people. So we will talk about that. His website is medadvisor.co. And um, thanks for being with us, Anthony. Stay with us and we'll go into more into the kinds of services you provide. And uh, remember, you're listening to Go to Health Radio. You can also watch us in video at gotohealthmedia.com. You'll see a video link there, and you can watch us in video as well. And we'll uh, take a quick break here and be right back with more with Anthony Hartley from medadvisor.co. Stay with us. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Today, many doctors prescribe basic pharmaceuticals to their patients who aren't feeling well or have various aches or pains. Is this the right course of action for all patients? Definitely not. Find out about healthy, natural ways to help you feel your best by tuning in to the CBD Ed Show with host Edward Cheney. Ed will explain full-spectrum CBD, where the whole hemp plant can be used for treatment, and answer all of your questions about CBD and natural treatment in general. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Variety. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Go to Health Radio. To reach Jonathan Marks or his guest expert on the live program, Call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Jonathan Marks at gotohealthmedia.com. Now, back to this week's show. 
Alrighty, and we're here back again talking about arthritis today. May is Arthritis Awareness Month. We are with Anthony Hartley, Hartley, I'm sorry, Anthony Hartley, who's the co-founder at medadvisor.co. And in the previous segment, Anthony taught us a lot about uh, regenerative medicine and stem cells and all the research go that's going on, especially in pain. I want to find out more now, Anthony, about the kind of what kind of company you are and what your services are. So why don't you tell us, uh, give us a couple minutes on how you started your company. It's called medadvisor.co. Go ahead. Yes. So thanks, Jonathan. I guess I'll tell you, I'll give you a brief summary of the origin story. Basically, my two co-founders and I, at one point, we were having discussions about things that were happening in health and the economy, and, and certainly everybody has, has plenty of, of experience and knowledge indirectly or directly with the healthcare system. So we thought, okay, let's do something about this. And, and so we decided to start to work on, on a website, and we started to see, okay, what is it that we can do that could hopefully help patients? From the very beginning, we said, okay, we need to do something that's patient-centric, something that really puts our puts our we put our where we put our shoes in the uh, put our feet in the shoes of the patient mm -hmm. and see what's best for him or her and so one of the things we came across about four you know a few years ago was that the area of regenerative medicine is an area that is very promising there's research there's also a lot of misinformation that's happened as well as other types of of details that might be unclear for a lot of people certainly if they're not the practicing physician or people in the area of research. So we decided, okay, let's, let's develop a, a type of consultancy and have the focus of the website be a patient-centric patient website hmm. so that patients can be more empowered, they can be more informed about this area. I mean, one of the things that, that I know most patients would agree is, ideally, they can go into that appointment with his or her doctor and have better questions and be able to ask the right kind of things so that their health can be better for the long term. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that we saw early on, uh, unfortunately, is that in this space, there's hundreds of, of clinics in the U.S. that would say, oh, yes, we provide stem cell therapy. We're, you know, we're experts in this area. And unfortunately, there's a lot of bad actors in this mm -hmm. field. There's a lot of clinics that have made claims that they shouldn't. Unfortunately, some have gone too far. Some have harmed patients. And so it's been quite challenging for uh, physicians as well as patients uh, and, of course, for the regulatory bodies to make sure that, you know, they can handle this in a way that the, the you know, what they call unproven therapies are not going to patients, but things that really are safe and efficacious. Mm -hmm. So from the very beginning, we continue now, this is an ongoing process, from the very beginning, we started to vet these clinics and as, as best as we can. Now, this takes a lot of time and resources, but we continue to work on that so that ideally, in time, more people, more individuals can hopefully trust our website that the clinics that are there are vetted. And I can give you a few examples. I'll give you an example that we saw not too long ago where, unfortunately, there was a, a clinic. We had, we had tried to pay them a visit, and they it, it seemed like they weren't being very transparent. Well, I won't give you the name, but... What eventually happened is it seemed that other people also noticed that there was something wrong uh, and not just the patients. So this particular clinic we have in mind, well, it's closed and it's in a lawsuit. Uh, mm -hmm. We don't know exactly what they were giving to the patients. Uh, 
Hopefully most of those patients can get better. But we do know that they probably were not, uh, they probably were using a product that wasn't registered with the FDA. What kind of relationship did they have with the FDA? That's another thing. So I, I think that one of the things that everybody should know that's listening, especially the patients, uh, and I'm sure others will agree, is that there has to be more transparency. And I think that a physician who wants to treat their patients, there isn't a reason that they're going to hide things. And they will tell you, okay, this is, this is the process, here's the treatment, it's registered with the FDA, or this is how it's progressed from clinical trials. And so right now, this is where patients can start to ask those kind of questions. So if they are in a situation where they feel, oh, I heard stem cell therapy can help me, uh, it's possible, yes but they still need to scrutinize. They still need to ask good questions and they, they still want to speak with their doctor because there's unfortunately, there's too many clinics that have harmed patients. Got it. Yeah. So, so when people come to your, so, so I, I guess two questions, when people come to your website, I guess they'll see a list of clinics that you've approved for regenerative therapy. Is that correct? Well, we don't want to say approved because we're not the FDA. I mean, we, okay. don't, we don't have that kind of clout. Yes. Uh, what we've done is we've done the best we can to vet those clinics. And what we hope is going to happen is more and more patients will feel that they can trust our website for that. Now, at the same time, we have additional information, which includes videos. It includes information from clinical trials mm -hmm. uh, and other types of data. At the very least, we hope that they can feel like they're going to become more aware they're going to be able to ask better questions. Uh, certainly, they need to talk to their doctor. We can't give medical advice. I mean, nobody should expect medical advice from someone other than their doctor. Right. What hopefully can happen is that this is a way that they can be better prepared for that, that conversation that they have with their doctor. So in addition to the education you provide on your website, do you also provide individual consultation or doctor consultation? What kind of consultations do you provide? Yeah, so more of the consultation that's happening is, in, is consistent with what some of these biotechs and pharma companies are, 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 have developed that can be used by clinicians. So part of what we're, we're doing in terms of our partnerships is we're also speaking with employers. So part of this is connecting employers to clinics and their physicians in terms of how they can maybe better help their employees. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different uh, connections that we're making. And part of that is also getting these, these treatments that are clearly safer and more effective than others, getting those into, pardon me, my phone, getting that into the hands of, getting that into the hands of uh, more and more clinicians. And part of that is, is the, in some cases like this doctor we spoke to recently, it's doctors like that who have used the treatments, have, have been discussing that with their, their peers. That's, usually the main way that the clinicians become more familiar and think, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try this. But before that happens, those products are tested in the clinical setting. It should be in a clinical study, in a research setting, of course. Right. So if I'm a patient, I can come to the website and get educated. Do, do am I, are, is consultation available to me as an individual patient? Well, this is something that, that we work on, yes. Uh, and what happens is at some point we, we connect them to a doctor. Uh, now, when it's, when it's an employer, for instance, then there's a number of different communication that happens there. So it's not just us, it's then also a medical team that works work with us. And part of that is also then uh, these different partnerships, these, these companies that have the regenerative medicine products right. that have advanced to a certain type of um, 
authorization that is in line with the FDA's rules and, and their regulatory process. Now, if <clears throat> again, if I'm a patient, how do I know that I should come to your website? How do I know that I'm a candidate for regenerative medicine? I've never heard of it. I don't know very much about stem cells. What's the, what's the, what's what, what I want to say? What's the stimulus for me to come to your website? What's the right reason? Well, I guess the right reason is that they want, they want to learn more about it. Uh, of course, they, they shouldn't assume that what they see on the website is the way that they can make a decision about mm -hmm. whether or not to consider this. They should always talk to their doctor. Now, what happens is that there are some people that they're not a, a candidate for stem cell therapy. Mm -hmm. uh, and some of that has to do with their, their medical history and so many other things. And so it's, it's, it's not something we can really say that, okay, this is, this is the exact scenario where someone is an ideal candidate. Right. We can never say that. That that would not be that would not be correct for the patient. Right. So would that it be fair to say if I want to learn something more about stem cell therapy or stem cell research or regenerative medicine, I should come to your website to learn more and then find out if this could be a potential solution for me. Yeah, exactly. And, and one of the ways that we hopefully are going to have more patients feel assured is that we continue to add a lot of information on, on clinical trials. Now, they can also go to different websites to find that. One of the most important ones, of course, is clinicaltrials.gov. .gov, right. As, as one might see, most a lot of people don't have the time or maybe the expertise to go through some of these trials. So one of the things we've done to help patients is that we've put in more concise summaries and some snippets of information about clinical trials so that at least if they're, if they're really quite busy, at least right. they can quickly decide, oh, this is maybe something that I should look at later. And one of the things that you'll find if you go to PubMed, if you go to other resources where clinicians and others look at research, I mean, not all of us have time outside of our primary work to read an article that's 80 pages long right. and see, okay, where's that nugget of information? Where's that insight that's going to help me make the right decision? So hopefully for those people that come to our website, they can see that, ah, okay, there's this clinical trial. Uh, it's not yet recruiting or it's going to be active soon. And it is on this particular treatment. It is on this particular uh, therapeutic area. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that individual, they'll be able to see, okay, great. Now I can go ask my doctor, hey, how would I be able to participate in this trial? So that's what I mean by helping the patients ask the right questions. If, if, they, if they didn't know that before, hopefully they'll, they'll be able to ask that question after they visit our website. Right. So that's another reason. A complete solution. We're hopefully just another helping hand in the process for the patients. Sorry to interrupt. Thank you. Um, so, so that's another reason to come to your website. If I might be interested in participating in a clinical trial, um, you can find out about clinical trials on your website. That's right. I mean, we're not directly involved in recruiting. It's not like right. we can tell them, oh, yes, you definitely can get, you know, the seat number five in this trial. But it hopefully means that they'll be able to then ask their doctor and see how easy that is, uh, how feasible it is, excuse me. And uh, this is, yeah, there, there's... Uh, that's, that's one of the things that we wanted to incorporate into the website. Great. So we have a couple minutes left. Tell me um, a little bit about your team. Like who's on the team? Why should I trust this group? Uh, what kind of backgrounds do you all have? Okay. So yeah, this, this is an area where I have to be careful because my, my partners, they, in addition to what we're working on here, they have, they have their full-time job. So I, I don't want to mention their name because of their employers sure. who might not be happy about this. But basically, we started out as a, a couple of engineers and myself, 
And now we have a doctor who's consulting with us um, quite regularly. Mm -hmm. And we also have a team of associates that help with putting together all this research. So gradually what's happening is we're putting together more collaboration. This is what's happening more and more. And everybody has a patient centric focus. Yes. The scientific expertise that, that they bring to the table. Got it. And do you charge for any of your services? Well, at the moment, there's there's different areas where we're we're working on on basically having more B two B clients. So one of the things that we see, uh, this is in addition to getting more of these treatments into the clinic hands of the clinicians. Right. What we see is that there's more B two B clients that B two B is business to business. That's right. So employers, whether it be medium size or large. Uh, we're in discussions with them because one of the things that can happen in the long term, maybe not tomorrow, but as there's so much potential with regenerative medicine treatments that are already in line with FDA regulations, in some cases, um, hopefully, we hopefully have enough time, I can tell you this last thing, there, there, are, there are what we've seen, uh, more and more examples where somebody gets a, a diagnosis and a recommendation that they need to have their knee replaced. They need to have maybe their, their hip replaced. And what's really fantastic opportunity for a lot of these employers and their employees is that in some cases, these people can hopefully avoid surgery because they'd have a stem cell therapy, a regenerative medicine treatment mm -hmm. that would heal them and it would avoid them getting surgery. Now, this, this sounds like for some people, it sounds like, oh, no, how can that be? But there, there's, already, there's already reason to believe that this is hopefully something that can continue to advance as a trend. So before I forget, let me just tell you, Arkansas in 2017, so this is four years ago, the governor signed into law what, he, what they call the Emerging Therapies Act of 2017. Okay. So basically, this was the governor with some doctors and, and others there working with them. So let me just try to read to you briefly from this. Anthony, we have like 30 seconds left. So just tell me, give me the top line. Okay. So basically uh, the governor signed into law, th this uh, emergency therapies act of 2017, which grants pilot access to state employees and teachers health plans to regenerative injection therapies as treatment of orthopedic conditions. Got so it. this is very promising. So if Arkansas is starting to do this for their employees, hopefully more employers and other entities will start to do it. So this is where we see that there's a lot of great promise for more people. Wonderful. So I encourage you all to go to medadvisor.co. You can learn a lot about regenerative medicine and stem cell therapy. Anthony Hartley, thanks so much for being with us today. Uh, really yeah. learned a lot. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, you can watch us on video as well at gotohealthmedia.com. You can also sign up for an updates. You'll get our newsletter. And thanks so much for listening. Come back for more. We'll have great stuff next week. Have a good week, everybody. Again, thank you, Anthony, for all that very helpful information. Take so care, everybody. Have a good one. Be well, be well. <laughs>